Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 11th of August. This is Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. Yes, it is the 11th of August. Are you just uh, checking my facts? Uh, very uh, good. Very good. It's uh, a good place to start, uh, the date. Right, that's right. And it's a um, nice bit of rain overnight. So that was uh, great and uh, not too bad even for a cyclist <laughs> like me. Yeah. But so just, the weather report is not too bad. Not too bad, not too bad. That's that's exactly right. Very uh, good, Lisa. Is, get uh, dressed to that weather report. Yeah, but I think the rain's finished anyway. So um, anyway, we'll go on to... And of course, um, just our Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by... Um, uh, just a couple of layabouts in the studio, I heard. Yeah, how about Australia Asia Worker Links? <laughs> okay, let's tell them yes. about that. Um, of course, Asia Pacific Currency is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. Uh, we're on social media as well, so find us on Facebook and Twitter and continue to follow news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region on those social media platforms. And, and I think our website should now be saying that there's our website is under redevelopment. Uh, isn't that correct, Giselle? It should say that, shouldn't it? <laughs> it? It doesn't. It doesn't. It will, though, very soon. Yes, thank you for managing me on air, Pierre. That's all right. I'm always happy to. And um, so this uh, week, as usual, we'll have the uh, news roundup uh, from labour issues around the region. And um, at the second half, uh, we'll have a bit of a – I actually attended two uh, forums this week about racism. There were um, different forums, but we'll have a bit of a discussion about racism and class, where we are and where we we can go. So that'll be in the second half of the um, of the program. But Giselle, I think you've got the first story. That's right. First up, news from around the region and we're going to kick off in South Korea on the 12th of November last year. Hong Ji Tuk and Park Jun Ho, both leading activists of the Korean Metal Workers Union, climbed atop a 75 metre smokestack in Seoul in a protest against Fintech. The company Fintech is a mobile phone and laptops components maker. The workers are demanding that the company rehire dismissed workers and guarantee that uh, guarantee employment status of its workers. They've been living the the two that are atop the smokestack have been living there for 270 days, I days think. Yes. on a ledge that is only 80, 80 centimeters wide. In the first few months, Hong and Park had to withstand the harsh sub-zero temperatures of a South Korean winter. They're now facing the other extreme, as South Korea is experiencing one of its hottest summers on record, with Seoul recording temperatures close to 40 degrees. Due to the exposed nature of the smokestack its and its concrete structure, temperatures where the two workers are are close to the 50-degree mark. Firstly... Well, Firstly, what can one Pierre, say, <laughs> I know how much you love these actions by the Korean workers. 
I think that their persistence and determination is incredible. I'm not sure of the success of the strategy and tactic. That's the first thing. The second thing is if you've ever been to South Korea in winter, it is really cold. So imagine how serious the conditions are in those workplaces that people would withstand those temperatures on that ledge for that period of time. I mean, that's another way to think about it. How bad are the working conditions that workers are subjecting themselves to that in an effort to struggle and resist against workplace injustices? So that's what I want to say about it. Yeah, look, I I agree. I think it'd be uh, fascinating to um, one day have a conversation with uh, or a discussion with uh, Korean trade unionists about this uh, this way of... um, Oh, well, I can only say heroic single-handed protests. Um, anyway, we now go nearby. Well, it's a bit of a, a dip into history, really, because we're remembering Hiroshima and Nagasaki. On the 6th of August, 1945, an atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima by U.S. Air Force. This was the first time a nuclear weapon had ever been used on people. The fireball created by the bomb destroyed 13 square kilometres of the city and up to 180,000 people died. Three days later, a second atomic bomb was dropped on the city of Nagasaki, killing up to 100,000 people. Long after the bombing, survivors suffered from increased susceptibility to leukaemia, cataracts and malignant tumours, which killed thousands more people in the years after 1945. The hibakusha, the the Japanese term for the survivors of the bomb, have been at the forefront of the international campaigns to have nuclear weapons banned. Today, we still have 15,000 nuclear weapons that um, may still destroy our world. Um, 15,000, that's a lot, and they're all much more powerful than both either Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Yeah, the only good thing about that is that if anybody, if it starts, we finish the planet. So the suffering ends quicker. Uh, uh, Yes, and the cockroaches will start to take over. Uh, In India, last week in two separate incidents, six workers were killed while performing their duties. In the first incident, three labourers were electrocuted while putting up an electricity pole in Rampara, which is a city near the um, broader city of Ahmadinejad in Gujarat. Early investigations point to the workers being killed when their uh, pole touched live electricity wires. In the second incident, in the town of Unnao in Uttar Pradesh, three workers were killed as they were cleaning a dye mixing tank. It's understood that the workers went into the tank and succumbed to the toxic gases in the tank as they weren't wearing protective breathing apparatus. And again... uh, When I was in India, I walked through the slums of Mumbai um, where a lot of these sorts of factories exist and just observed how little, not just protective gear, but how little clothing workers were wearing whilst handling noxious gases and chemicals like that. Yes, it's uh, quite horrific. And I actually did forget to um, thank Annie for another good program of Solidarity um, Breakfast. And, of course, that music that you heard on the uh, on the break was uh, All Hail the Chief, um, but I don't know who it was, so... Sorry about that. It just didn't... who the chief was, or who was singing the song. 
well, and I don't know who the chief was or who was singing the song, so both. So apologies for that. It just didn't come up on the computer. But we now go to, um, to actually remain in India, where the government of Tamil Nadu, which is in the south of India, recently announced new minimum wages for domestic workers from maids to house nurses. This follows a report by a government committee that recommended that a minimum wage ban between 31 to 39 rupees an hour be set up. Now, for a domestic worker working eight hours a day on all days, they would receive, um, in Australian dollars, clo- uh, somewhere between 150 to $180 a month. Now, this uh, announcement was the result of years of struggle by domestic workers to get the occupation recognised in the scheduled employment um, employment um, list and receive a minimum wage. Unfortunately, the government's um, uh, announcement on the minimum wage falls short of the demands of the workers who sought um, 50 rupees uh, per hour, so um, probably much closer to $250 a month. There's also been criticism of the manner in which the skills have been categorised with childcare and disabled care being treated as unskilled work, while cooking and gardening treated as semi-skilled. And nationally, India is yet to pass legislation across India to protect domestic workers. Obviously, this is a continuing struggle by um, workers in India. In Iran, in mid-May of this year, a peaceful gathering organised by the Iranian Teachers Trade Association of Tehran uh, was attacked by security forces and undercover agents. Fourteen participants, including Mohammad Habib, an Iranian teacher and a member of the board of directors of the Iranian Teachers Trade Association of Tehran, were arrested. So at the time of his arrest, Habib was on bail from a previous arrest in March 2018. All but Habib were freed a day later. Habib was then transferred to a solitary confinement cell in Tehran's largest prison. Um, And on the 4th of August, the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Court sentenced him to 10 10 and a half years in prison. His sentence also includes 74 lashes and a prohibition of social and political activities for two years and a travel ban of two years upon his release. Habib is still in solitary confinement and is in desperate need of medical attention due to the beatings he's suffered while in detention. Just more on the extraordinary um, torture of political prisoners in Iran. Yes, and the repression that they face. And uh, we do get uh, reports every so often that the uh, the protest in uh, in uh, Iran, the working class protests, are still going on and uh, flare up uh, quite regularly these days. It, uh, sorry, go, go on. on. I was just going to say uh, it's worthwhile to flag then at this point the um, annual event, the Global Day of Action Against Trade Union Repression, which will be on the 16th of November. So stay tuned for those um, details as we we start organising. But it is important that while our comrades are languishing in cells in Iran that we not forget them, but more importantly that we organise for their release. That's right. Um, We now go to Kuwait, where over 700 migrant workers from India are set to receive over uh, $1,100 Australian dollars in compensation from the Kuwaiti government. The workers, who are now all back in India, were part of a large group of Indian workers who were left stranded in Kuwait when the Karafi National Company ran into financial difficulties. The compensation deal for another 500 Indian workers, who were also employed there, is still being negotiated 
negotiated by the respective governments. Before the workers were deported from Kuwait, they had carried out a number of protests at Kuwaiti government offices to highlight their plight, which I'm sure um, was uh, was crucial in them actually getting some compensation because way, way too many migrant workers get expelled and never actually um, get their, their full wages back. I think you've got one more. Oh, jeez, Sally, we're just so enthralled by it. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, Our last report comes from the ongoing protests in Gaza. As a follow-on from last week's report, Israel has this week hijacked a second vessel, the Freedom for (laughs) Gaza, exactly what we predicted was going to happen, the Freedom for Gaza that was carrying mainly medical supplies for the people of the Gaza Strip. The Swedish-flagged boat, part of the Freedom Flotilla, was taken over by the Israeli military in international waters, 40 nautical miles from Gaza's coastline. Its crew of 12 was then detained by the Israeli forces for later deportation. The 2 million Palestinians in the Gaza Strip are facing an ever-worsening humanitarian disaster due to the complete blockade imposed by them by the Israeli and Egyptian forces. Um, Of course, overnight there was the murder of two um, Palestinian activists in the Friday um, regular uprisings. But uh, interesting that you mentioned the blockade by Egypt because... Egypt is about to go into another political crisis. That is, oh, an, that is, is yes, that is an area to watch. All right, uh, we'll certainly have a watch for that. But that's uh, we're just about on fourteen past nine o'clock. That brings to the end of the labour updates from the region. We'll go to a couple of community announcements, and then we'll be back with a bit of a discussion on uh, racism and class and um, how people are discussing them. Australia is a crime scene. It's unfinished business, this crime. People don't understand that it was a military exercise. It was military in the first fleet. It was Captain James Cook. It was Captain Arthur Phillip. Right through the history of Australia, it's a military exercise. Our people have suffered greatly because the white man is not prepared to act honourably and legally still the case in this country today. This is 3CR. This is James Henry here and you're listening to 3CR, 8.55am and digital streaming on 3cr.org.au. It's just on quarter past nine o'clock. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, your favourite radio programme on labour issues in the Asia Pacific region, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and beamed all around the world uh, on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. I'm not too sure why you're smiling there. Because you said beamed. (laughs) I thought, yes, we're beamed. That's right, we're beamed. And maybe because I've been watching too much science fiction (laughs) lately these days on on the... Netflix, but anyway, we'll leave that. Anyway, so racism and class. Um, are we 
went to two forums uh, this week, um, one on Thursday, one on Monday. The Thursday one, one was um, fairly what I would call um, uh, regular about uh, how basically racism uh, divides people and basically how the governments use to distract and to target people. And a lot of people talked about, especially here in Australia, um, that we've seen this, this before. So it was very much... Um, uh, something that we've heard before uh, and basically there was a general um, call to act and to fight against racism. The the one on Monday was actually uh, a slightly um, different one. It was actually a speaker from the, the US and very much talking about uh, racism and class and how the two are totally interwoven. And um, the very interesting thing about that was uh, obviously the the research, they had lots of money. I was amazed at the research they did. But what they did was they actually got these groups of people from the political spectrum and they actually, um, they were basically seeing how words, how racist words you, um, are used and which ones work best and how to counter them. And so what they did, they actually... Um, Use um, statements like "or oh, racism um, divides the working class," or um, uh, this is from the US, or African Americans are the ones um, most likely to be in prison, and and a few other things. And there were thirty second statement, and then they actually tracked as the words were being spoken, which ones actually had more of a positive or a negative reaction for each of these groups, and it was. Um, quite interesting to do it and um and again it very much um really looked into how to frame it and how um how to, to frame what how to frame the resistance how to frame how to frame what how to frame the anti-racist messages that uh, if you include a class component they're actually uh, much much more powerful than just saying an anti-racist message so that was the the um, the, uh, the main thrust of it, which um, I found quite interesting. And another interesting thing that they um, said, which I, I sort of I knew, but it's very easy to forget um, sometimes. Thing you can't hold everything in your brain all the time. Was they they said, oh look, often people have the have political views, and we split them in the left and the right. But then we often say, oh well, there's a large percentage of people in the middle. And what they said, often people think that there is a uh, continuum. So basically people who are a bit left, bit centre, a bit right and all the way. And they said, no, what the, and I've seen this before, is the majority of people are actually in the middle. And they're actually um, so-called the middle because they're unsure which way to go or which um, position actually offers the better worldview to to um, um, for their solution to the problems in the middle. Uh, you need to explain what in the middle means. So, what does that mean? They're a little bit racist, or like um, all right. In the middle is basically quite an amorphous group of the people who are are not necessarily politically engaged, or don't actually have strong points of views on 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 issue, uh, or are open to. Um, to hearing more about it, so that's um, so it's it's quite a big amalgam. And when group. you say they're not sure where to go, they're not sure. 
whether to be racist or yes, that that is basically whether or not to 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 say yes, we have a so um, so let's say in a in a country there's there's uh, there's poverty um, and there are it's mainly one um, ethnic group that's concentrated. So the the right wing. I presume this happens in most countries. I've seen it in very many countries. Would say it's because uh, this ethnic group or this cultural group um, is different from ours. Doesn't fit in. They're lazy. Uh, they believe other things. Blah blah blah. And it's all their fault. The left wing point of view would say no. These are structural issues. These people are actually um, um, marginalised by the whole by systemic issues, and there's racism uh, against them, and the structures are against them. So basically, so people, in other words, can see that there's a problem, but who's got the right um, framework or solution or explanation? So that's the sort of middle middle bit. So <clears throat> I I wasn't able to attend the Democracy in Colour event. <clears throat> I've been seeking an interview with the w- woman who spoke there and we haven't got it yet, but as soon as we do, listeners will announce that. Um, but I do have some initial scepticism and, and this scepticism is um, mitigated, I guess, by the fact that I didn't attend and this is the first report I've had of it. But when I hear how to talk about race and class together or intersectionality or all of these terms, all I hear is a further ingraining of identity politics. See, what you've just described, this idea that um, the issue of racism is more easily understood, it gets more traction and is more um, accessible to people when it is linked with class is basic Marxism using non-Marxist terms. In other words, the people's consciousness develops in response to their material conditions. So when you talk about class, when people experience the or are connected with the economic crisis, the impact it has on them, in that space, it is much easier to grasp me, you, worker, same than it is when what you're talking about is race separate from gender separate from sexual etc so why don't we just talk about marxism why don't we use marxist language again why let's talk about race and class let's find new and innovative ways i don't get that and i actually find it anti-marxist and i find it um it just exposes further and further how much communists have lost ground politically that that is where the conversation is at right now. Um, answer me that, Pierre. Oh, I think that's a very easy answer. Uh, actually, just to um, increase your uh, scepticism, um, the whole the, – the whole, um, uh, not the whole – in in the end, the 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 research, the the whole point of it, is actually put towards voting. Um, so, how do you get people to vote? But that is their end point. The question is, the research can actually be used in many different ways, and so the 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 learnings from them, to use you know those kind of language, is like you said, can actually be used in many different ways. So why don't we talk about Marxism? 
Well, that's a very easy answer, Giselle, because the majority of those people are not Marxists. And you can actually talk about class without being a Marxist. Social Democrats talk about... It's like a dagger to my heart. (laughs) Sorry. So you can actually actually totally believe and understand Marxism. I've had these conversations with people and just say, no, 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 I understand what this had. And Marx had fantastic, I believe, blah, blah, but I don't think it really works. What we need is actually a nicer, regulated, more humane form of capitalism. Because, yes, I do believe in all that class and I'm happy to talk about class. So, so they're, they're the arguments that we need to still um, make within the working class. So what is the, the ultimate solution or what is the ultimate uh, end point? But I think um, – so you're totally right there. No, no, no um, discussion from me. But – I think what the issue is becoming more and more is that um, the issue of class is becoming more uh, open, more common, and more understood. And so, and you're right. the 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 Marxist left since the late seventies, early eighties, all around the world has has really gone downhill. And now there's a lot to to um, to to work on. And so. You know, take that. I mean, I know you weren't there, and um, but that democracy in color, which I think it's a it's a very interesting space because you can actually go right into it and go, yes, I totally agree. But tell me about your end point. Tell me about how voting Democrats in the U.S. is just going to make all everything, all this disappear and blah blah blah. Especially when you look at the history of the Democrats. So that's the kind of I think discussion that then needs to be had. And I think but once you've introduced class, my feeling, my opinion, is that you're already two-thirds there because you're starting to have that language away from that identity politics or from even a totally non-class way and where you, don't, you stop seeing people as consumers or individuals. And then you actually start to talk about a, a collective uh, collective uh, type of, um, of 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 movement, so I think that's uh, that's important. I always like to look at the positives, um, but um, yeah, so that's why I like I would... to look at the reality. Sure, um, they, the two may be exactly the same. Unlikely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlikely. I don't know. We just did seven items of catastrophe in the world, so. You know, no, some got got a minimum wage a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, look, but things are are, are really bad, and um, that's right. And uh, where do you go? I mean, like, take um, you know, take uh, somewhere in India. And we're talking about racism. It's not just in Australia. It's obviously in many different countries. We've just seen it in the last few weeks in South Korea. I don't know if you've uh, had a bit of a look about it. There's a rise of all this anti-refugee sentiments. It's a huge movement. And I mean, that is worldwide. Like, I mean, we focus on Asia, but if you go to Europe, like mm. Europe is about to fall. How many fascist governments have been elected or far-right-wing governments have now been elected across Europe? We don't even talk about that when we're talking about... Um, you know, the growth of the alt-right. I just, for Accent of Women, my other show, just looked at the increased police powers in Germany, which are Nazi powers. 
Well, we've got increased police powers here all Correct. the time. Correct. So, so again, where do you start those discussions to, and what to what point you want to get to? I, I think that has um, many in the movement around the world um, in lots of discussion and trying to organise. Um, and then you look at places like the Philippines, where there were huge. Um, left-wing working-class movement in the 70s and 80s. And 30 years later, they've ended up with this brutal mass-murdering president. Um, so there you go. That was a bit of a uh, letdown, really. That's unfortunate because we're sort of coming to the end of the program. But, um, yeah. But- Some thoughts, but very important. And, I mean, one of the more important things I want to say about this is we have yet to find a common platform within the Labor movement to move forward on migrants and refugee rights. We still haven't got that. And the um, divisions in the refugee movement and um, the mixed messaging coming out of the Labor movement on migrant workers' rights is evidence of we don't have a common platform and that will only serve to divide us further and ferment racism. That's right, but I think that the common platform, I mean, like anything, it's, it's, a, it's a marketplace of ideas and, and movements and that we just haven't pushed our idea and, and, um, and solutions and grand plan hard enough. So that's our task for the next few weeks, Giselle. Oh, okay, I, I reckon I'll take that off my list of things to do by next Saturday. All right, it's um, we've got 30 seconds to go before Palestine Remembered comes on, so that's all that we have for you today. I won't be here next week, so Giselle will be flying solo. Just me so and you, little old listener. That's right, so um, I've... I've I won't even think what she'll say about me. But anyway, that's terrible things. That's Only fine. terrible things. So that's all from me, PMRO. And me, Giselle Hanna. Stay tuned to 3CR Radio and the Palestine Remembered show coming straight after this committee announcement. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.